Hi, my name is Sarah Tran. And this is Megha Jan. And we are Technology. Hey Sarah, what's what's up with you, girl? I feel like it's it's been a minute. Technology's listeners have been awaiting our return and it's March, but we're back. And of course, I'm enjoying my favorite flavor of tea or my favorite type of tea, which is like a milk tea with um, black tea as a base and some honey. What are you drinking right now? Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. No, for me lately, it's all, it's been about matcha. I've been drinking a lot of matcha. Yeah, it's been not just a minute. It's been at least a couple months. Um, But yeah, we're back and we, both of us have really been focusing on our first official semester on a college campus and it's been really crazy um and it definitely has taken a lot of time to adjust right no it really has i think it's an insane schedule to like be packing in all the classes we have and the extracurriculars and then also be running a podcast but it takes it to a whole nother level when you are living on your own and you have to like do your laundry and make your own food so we've just been catching up with that but we want to take a moment to thank all of you for your support I think I didn't realize the impact this podcast was having and how many people were listening to it until we were in its absence and everyone was coming up to me and asking like, what's going on with technology? Like, when are you guys releasing your next episode? I want to hear about your series on AI. So we're back to do exactly that. Um, That being said, the footage that we're going to be playing in this episode uh, from our interview was actually done back in December. So while those discussions were done a few months ago. I think the conversation that we're having here is still very, very relevant. And I hope that you'll stick around to learn some more. So for a short introduction to what exactly is Percepta AI, in one line, Percepta AI is a company that creates ethical AI for unbiased shoplifting detection. Um, And we're going to pass it off to Jonathan in a bit to go more into like why exactly he created this company and Uh, what is the problem they're solving, but that's just a short introduction. Before we pass it off to Jonathan, I think it's super important to talk about why we're having this conversation in the first place. And I think, A, it's because we're moving towards a really high-tech world where we have cashierless grocery stores and where we have people just walking in and essentially picking up items and walking out, um, and even increased theft, unfortunately, due to the effects of the pandemic. And then B, it's because we live in a world with a lot of racial bias. And this technology, it's really new in its approach to solving issues of bias within AI and theft prevention. Yeah, I actually saw this recent thing on the news and it was a couple of stores opening up in in Sweden that were just stores that you can just walk in. You don't, it doesn't even have a cashier. You just have your phone and you're expected to just check out by yourself. And it's weird because we're putting so much trust in the individual customer. And it feels like we're completely removing the human from the situation of like shopping, right? And just letting technology be, you know, sort of the new norm for how we shop. Right. I remember reading that article as well. And I think it's super cool that this is becoming a global trend almost. But I think it becomes very serious with the issues that it might cause. And that's why I think we're going to go ahead and pass it off to Jonathan to talk about Percepta, as well as the problem that this startup is attempting to solve. 
Shoplifting is a pretty big problem. It costs retailers in the US something like $20 billion in merchandise loss every year. What we do is we stream CCTV footage, video feeds uh, in stores, run our algorithm in order to detect shoplifting incidents in real time using a variety of you know, action recognition, behavior recognition analysis. And we do this in, again, an ethical manner. And what we mean by that is, you know, our algorithm is designed in a way such that it doesn't see gender, it doesn't see race or skin color or age or any of that sort of demographical information, solely focused on your actions and behaviors in order to predict uh, whether, you know, a said subject is, is shoplifting or not. All right. So it's awesome that Percepta is taking this new and unique approach to analyzing CCTV footage uh, because essentially right now we know that Black people are accused and eventually convicted of crimes at a much higher rate. So race plays a role in theft detection and theft prevention. Gender also plays a role. I remember watching a What Would You Do episode uh, when I was growing up a few years ago uh, and basically there was a white man, a black man, and a woman, and they were sitting in a park and they all, there were like different scenarios where they were doing the same thing and taking apart a bicycle. And the black man, everyone like rushed to try to stop him and be like, oh my God, stop like stealing parts of this bicycle. And some people also stepped up with the white man, but actually no one said anything to the woman. So we can see that gender is also an issue when looking at Death prevention and detection. And we, we know that races, I mean, recently back in December, Keon Harold, the jazz musician, his 14 year old son was falsely accused by a 22 year old woman who ended up assaulting him actually for stealing her phone when he had not stolen anything. He was just walking through the lobby of this hotel that he was staying at with his parents. And it was really traumatizing for him. So we see these recurring issues coming up, but here's the T. AI, the technology that is supposed to help with solving these problems in depth detection and prevention and make it an easier and smoother process actually helps perpetuating these problems. And here's where I think it gets even more interesting because it's the very big tech companies that are supposed to be like leading the AI revolution uh, and creating cashierless grocery shopping experiences that unfortunately make these problems even worse. So for example, during Amazon's uh, Mars conference in 2019, which by the way, stands for machine learning, automation, robotics, and space, uh, the VP of Amazon Go, Dilip Kumar, was talking about how they tackle the problem of theft prevention and detection within their Amazon Fresh stores. And he said that Amazon engineers use like errors, like missed item detections to train machine learning models. And they also use synthetic data sets. And that's all cool until you realize that the synthetic data sets that are supposed to boost the diversity of the training data, unfortunately is the thing that oftentimes causes problems because the data that we're sending in isn't always unbiased. A lot of the time, black people are convicted for crimes that they did not commit or CCTV footage is very bad at like recognizing what people of color look like. And that causes really big issues. And I think another thing that I found really interesting, I read an article on this a while back, but 
a software engineer at Google discovered that image recognition algorithms that were being deployed within Google Photos. So this isn't even like theft prevention or detection. This is on like a smaller level. On Google Photos, like storage service, they were labeling photos of black people as gorillas. No. And then Google's Cloud Vision API, this was back in 2015, right? That's but then Google's Cloud Vision API, literally back in 2020, right before uh, all of these like cries for justice and protests started that I hope have started changing things within the tech community as well. They mislabeled thermometers held by people with darker skin as guns. And they were calling those same things as thermometers in white people's hands, but in just a hand with a different color, the same image became something completely different to this artificial intelligence algorithm. That's actually horrible. Like, I don't even know what to say, especially with that thermometer. I mean, the gorilla part too, that's just absolutely horrible. But I mean, we all know how powerful AI is. We all know that. And it's unfortunate that AI, not even necessarily in the wrong hands, but in the hands of the wrong data sets or, you know, perhaps creators who are actually not as diverse as the, you know, the users who are actually using AI. I'm actually writing a research paper about this in one of my classes at the moment. And I learned this crazy statistic that four out of every five AI professors are men. And then on top of that, only 10% of um, AI researchers at Google are female. So this is only with regards to, you know, gender, of course, but there's a lot more statistics out there with like race and stuff like that. And so just imagine the discrepancy that we're seeing along the lines of who's actually creating the AI that's impacting these people. Yeah, those stats are, I think, representative of the lack of representation that exists within the tech industry. And similarly, you know, people, Black people of color uh, make up less than 10% of the entire tech industry. So I think that's a very correct analysis, Sarah. We have this discrepancy between the people who are creating the technologies that we use in our daily lives and the people who use these technologies. And that can be very harmful in the, wrong, in the long run. Because if this software engineer at Google hadn't identified in 2015 that Google Photos was doing this incredibly racist, hurtful analysis, uh, of photos of, of Black people, we wouldn't be reading about this right now, you know? And I think you need people who are whistleblowers and you need people who are able to recognize these problems because it directly affects them and create technology for people who look like them, who act like them. And it, it's really unfortunate that that doesn't exist. So I think returning back to like what Jonathan is doing with Percepta, it's really cool to have this technology that finally isn't based off of gender or race and is rather based off of just the actions that the people are committing and whether those actions are suspicious or not. I think it's really refreshing to see that in theft detection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so now we're gonna pass it back to Jonathan to talk about one, you know, how did they get started with Percepta? They saw this enormous problem what was their approach, and then also to talk more about what is ethical AI and some of the use cases uh, at the moment. We started working on Percepta um, somewhere around summer, fall of, of 2019. So, you know, during that time, a lot of our focus, uh, during the early times, a lot of our focus was on early validation and really just like trying to find the, the use case for the technology. Oftentimes, you know, 
uh, one sort of starts with the problem and is kind of obsessed with, okay, what are the various type solutions or what's the best solution to, to tackle that problem? And you're not necessarily wed to any one particular solution. And I think that type of thinking, you know, is, is something that we employed, even though uh, we were sort of starting the other way around. Uh, we actually first thought that we'd be doing something uh, around campus safety or bike theft. But when we started talking to people in retail, independently, you know, a number of people who we were speaking with, like, brought up the use case of like, hey, like, shoplifting is, is a huge problem, you know, um, there's the issue that like, A, it's very uh, much uh, hasn't really changed in the last, um, you know, 20 plus years. It's very manual. Uh, there's this whole issue about profiling and bias, right, which which definitely like resonates with, with what, what, what we're doing. Um, and so we started talking that on that a little bit more and then doing a lot of, I would say, research with potential customers. So for us, that was like VPs at loss prevention, uh, talking, even like going like door to door um, in, in stores, right? Um, and talking to, to people there about their experiences with, with theft and things like that was, was, was super enlightening, sort of validated for us that there was a real need here. For every dollar that you spend on Percepta, you can potentially recuperate or two to three dollars back. We see Percepta as the ethical AI company. And so what that means is that the technology and sort of the, uh, a lot of the heavy lifting algorithms behind it uh, can be applied to a whole uh, sort of host of, of use cases from things like, uh, you know, compliance to like social distancing measures uh, to, you know, public safety, uh, to, you know, falls in, in elderly facilities, in order care facilities, rather. Um, there's, there's definitely a wide, wide range of applications for, for what we're doing. There's a lot of variance in, in the sort of bad quality sense as well. So we've, we've trained our AI to, uh, on basically very low res, low quality footage. And we still see, you know, significant improvements over sort of what is uh, status quo, uh, using humans to, to detect these incidents. So, and with people, you know, wearing masks and things like that, uh, it's actually a lot harder, um, for let's say, uh, other solutions like facial recognition, uh, and even for people, right. To sort of, um, make contact and recognize, you know, oh, you know, this was like a guy who I saw before who was like a shoplifter. Right. And so that has actually uh, created a much larger challenge and when the pandemic hit, um, we definitely had to pull the brakes on a lot of, uh, sort of more business development, like esque activities as retailers were still sort of trying to figure out, you know, what their COVID response was and, and, and all that was happening generally, you know, when economy is doing bad, when people are sort of, you know, out of, out of job, right when, when the economy's, you know, heading towards some sort of recession you see things like theft increase anecdotally at least. Yeah. That's, that's definitely what we've seen with customers. Training machine learning models for facial recognition has always been quite a difficult and time consuming task, but especially considering that the data we have available to us right now from past years, and then what we're facing nowadays with the pandemic, it's become even harder. So the problem that Jonathan is describing is unfortunately an issue that a lot of developers and backend engineers are encountering on a daily basis today. Because essentially you're supposed to train machine learning models based off of past data that you have available and you 
kind of like manually input that like, okay, here's what footage that's really suspicious looks like. And then this is what the person actually ended up looking like. And this is how you kind of make that correlation between the two. And the part in the middle is what the machine learning model figures out on its own. But it does need some human input in that what the input is and then what the final output is. Now with the pandemic, everyone is constantly wearing masks. And some people are also acting differently because they don't want to touch certain items or they want to have their gloves on while touching certain items or have a wipe ready or hand sanitizer. And that changes the entire equation uh, quite literally. So that is something that Percept AI is currently dealing with and it is becoming a really common issue that frankly, I'm not really sure how you go about solving. Yeah, it's really interesting, especially, you know, the part that you said, how it's literally changing the equation. That's because so much of AI is actually just probability, right? That's how algorithms are working. They're, of course, they're getting data, but they can't just say, you know, insert ABC, right? And this automatically means this, but rather it's that, okay, this person is crouching over um, and they are having a backpack that's really close to like an aisle. So this increases the probability that they're probably about to do something, you know, uh, illegal, right? <laughs> and so I really like that you brought up that point. Um, but I think now it's a really good time to kind of hear more about Jonathan's own role at Percepta. There's this really, a really complicated tech side to it, which we really just tried to break down. But also there's how one COVID is impacting Percepta's entire business model, either for the, for the worse or for the better. And just to kind of realize how you need to be able to see both sides of technology, right? One on the technical side, um, is it even working in the manner that's designed to? And on the other side, you know, the business side, like, is it practical? Is there enough return on investment? And is it honestly a product that is going to be you know, perceived well by the market? So yeah, now I'm going to pass it off to Jonathan to talk more about his own role at Percepta. Uh, my role at Percepta is largely sort of on, on the business development side of things. Um, and I think, you know, having at least the cursory level uh, understanding in machine learning and in AI has allowed me to sort of translate concepts uh, in what we're doing and communicate that with our customers who are you know, largely non-technical. Yeah, so I actually really like what he just talked about because for listeners who may not know a lot about Mega and I's background, even though you're probably following our journey this entire time, um, one thing you may not know is that I actually come from more of a business background and that's how I broke into tech. While Mega has always been someone who has really understand the technical side, like both hardware and software. And she's sort of using business as a way to like, you know, further the technological impact. Um, and so to kind of hear him talk about how the two disciplines are really essential to each other and then how he was personally able to break into tech through the business side is really, uh, I think insightful for not only, uh, well, hopefully you guys as listeners, but also for myself personally. Right. I think that these two career paths have just become so intertwined with each other nowadays uh, that you almost require or are expected to have some sort of technical as well as business knowledge into anything you go into. Uh, it's really unavoidable at this point. And I feel like it's really cool because for the first time in decades, students 
and younger people are being encouraged to foster multiple interests. All of a sudden, you don't have to be the master in one thing or be the expert on one thing. You can be, you know, master of none and jack of all trades. Um, and I feel like that's something I've always really related to in my life. Like there's a lot of things I enjoy and I'm, like fairly good at, but it's not like one thing that I'm like really, really, you know, hung on to necessarily. So it's cool that he was able to approach AI from this perspective. And I really like how he talks about how it's never too late to start pursuing your interests. Because with this rat race that's going on towards college educations and like having a startup or creating the next big thing, people oftentimes forget that you can start at any age and still make up for it as long as you have the passion and drive to see your dreams being fully realized. So it's really cool that Jonathan brought that back into perspective for us. Yeah, I know he's going to actually share some more insights about what it takes to be an entrepreneur. But something that I recall him talking about was how, you know, you can't just focus on one thing when you're running or starting a startup because you're constantly putting out fires or constantly having to be proactive. And so what that means is that you're going to be wearing a million hats. If you can't wear a million hats, then how is your business going to grow? You can't outsource at an early stage. You have to be able to learn everything on your own. So now we're going to hear him give us some more advice about how exactly do you be resilient as an entrepreneur? It's about figuring it out, you know, if when you when you when you sort of wait to till you have all the answers uh, to start, it's too late, you know, ships ships already sailed. Being comfortable with just like what you know, and especially with what you don't know, and having a bit of gusto to say like, hey, like it's okay, we'll figure it out. You know, we're generally smart, capable, and hardworking people, and and things and things will be will be all right. You know, nobody has all the answers. Being persistent and being resourceful. What I mean by that is, you know, when you're if you're trying to sell something, right? You know, you're you're going to get a hundred no's before you get the one yes. So I think persistence is is obviously very important there. And resourceful in terms of we we know some things and we don't know a lot of things. So. Um, you know, being resourceful with, you know, who can sort of help us out here and there and being, uh, you know, smart about the asks that you make of like, you know, I think that this person with a specific XYZ background, right, is someone who I would like to connect to. These are the reasons why this is what I'm going to be engaging them with. And here's how I'm going to be prepared. Here's why I think, you know, I have something interesting to show them. Keep record of, you know, what are people's like hesitancies and making sure you are taking that learning, tweaking your pitch, you know, here and there, um, improving and iterating on it. You know, uh, I, I think being willing to admit like where you were wrong is, is definitely like really important being willing to sort of, uh, take that feedback from, you know, quote unquote, the market. Right. Um, and you know, that that's true for investors, customers, or, uh, potential hires back to my earlier point about not knowing all the answers. You definitely just don't know a lot of things. Um, and the quickest way to just learn, um, is, is by doing so don't be like afraid about like screwing up because you know, nobody really expected you to come out with anything anyways. Like if you're trying to start something, find people you want to work with college is an excellent environment to find these sort of like, like-minded people, talented people, hardworking people, share your ideas, put them to the test. Like don't try to do everything in one go, but break it up into small parts, iterate and learn and, and get that feedback and iterate some more. Yeah. Be okay with like abandoning like a bad idea or like something you don't want to maybe like push forward 
and you know beyond on to the next one but you know do make sure you 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 put in sort of like the considerable effort don't just quit because it's necessarily just getting hard i think jonathan frames his advice really well for new entrepreneurs things are not always going to work out the way that you hope they will and i think that every entrepreneur out there is a living example of that like you have you hear a hundred no's before you hear a yes you have you know, hundreds of failed attempts before you finally get to a point where you're proud of what you're working on and where it's been. And I think it's a really important discussion to have. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Like to give an example of Airbnb, it was never, it never started off of what it is today. And, you know, something that was able to IPO. In fact, it actually started off as Brian Chesky um, at some point, literally creating Obama-O's. Was that what it was? You remember? Yes. It was, yeah. So this was actually from uh, another podcast acquired. They talked specifically about the birth of Airbnb and they were rejected from Y Combinator initially. Like they were kind of just like sent out of the meeting and they had this like serial brand they had created because they weren't profitable as a model at that point. So they picked up this box of cereals and ran back into their meeting and said, oh, we forgot to show you this. And when they were asked to explain, they explained, we don't really have a viable business model as of now. We're not making money. So we sell cereal to the people who stay here. And it was their hustle that inspired uh, Y Combinator to accept them into their batch for that year. So yeah, I think you bring up a really good example of that. Like YC literally, and every like startup accelerator around the world and VCs even, I think, really, really value the grit that you have sometimes even more than the actual product you're offering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even if, you know, maybe an accelerator or maybe if a VC doesn't end up recognizing you for your grit or for maybe any positive signals you have, then that sucks. But at the end of the day, you're still building your grit and resilience and you could become the next unicorn where they're going to start writing and including you in podcasts and most likely regretting not having invested at an early age. So that just goes to show if you're an entrepreneur, you know, if someone says no to you, then don't take that seriously because at the end of the day, the only, you know, tally you're having against is yourself. Yeah. I mean, quick nod to our like memes and memos episode uh, with VC transparency, BVP was very transparent about the fact that they did not invest in Apple at the right time. They turned down Apple, which is a multi-trillion dollar corporation today. And they must really, really regret that. So like, why can't that be you? Why can't you be that next person who has the idea of the next Apple? You know, why not? But that being said, this entire series, while we are exploring stories of entrepreneurship as well, is also at the end of the day about artificial intelligence and the role that it's playing in our world. So we were very careful to ask each and every one of our guests about what they think the larger role of AI is going to be uh, in our planet currently beyond the work that they're already doing. The thing that generally attracts me uh, problem sets that, that I'm interested in is uh, applying technology to something where you know there are massive sort of efficiency gains to be made uh where you can sort of streamline and and maybe make something a lot more you know optimize you know a, a process and not like get rid of the human part of the equation but make the human a lot more effective in, in what they can do yeah that last bit he said about 
you know, what is the role of AI and is it ultimately going to be something that is getting rid of the human? And so with that, I'm honestly not entirely sure, but I would love to open it up to you guys as listeners to hear your perspective on it. Do you guys think that we are going to reach a point where we can't really even control AI if we wanted to? Um, Or is there a way for us to sort of make sure that it's constantly being developed in a way that we still can maintain control over it? What do you think, Mega? I think that it is such a gray area. And honestly, when someone asked me about the ethics of what I plan to do with the things I want to work on in AI in the future, it does make me uncomfortable, but it's a conversation that needs to be had. And I remember like for our, we have these weekly surveys in my CS classes semester. And for my midterm survey, they asked us ethical questions about CS. And honestly, I was just really wishing that they asked me really hard coding questions because I genuinely feel like that would have been easier to answer than the ethical dilemmas they were asking us to talk about. But that being said, I, I think it's with any technology really such a tough balance. Obviously there are very valid concerns with AI taking over. And we talked about Sophia the robot in our first episode of the series as well. and the reality of creating something that's so human-like that it eventually gains consciousness and wants to turn against us. It's not sci-fi anymore. So I really want to just, as Sarah said, open this conversation up to you guys. As always, you can tweet at us at Technology One. We really, really want to hear what everyone has to say. So if you have any hot takes or tea to spill about your thoughts on AI and how it could impact the human race, please feel free to do so. But with that, thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we will tune in next time with more tea about AI and the hottest business and tech news today. See you later.